Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. Tom Nixon is with me as always. Hi, Tom. Good to be back, Jay. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. Um, so jumping right into our uh, one of our favorite parts of, of the episode, Tom, uh, overrated, underrated. I've got one marketing related for you, and I think you're more of an expert in this area than me because I'm not an expert at all, actually. But <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on SEO uh, these days uh, and whether you have any particular insight into that as, as far as is it becoming more important, less important? Is it overrated or underrated right now? Hmm. Well, I think it's always been important, always will be important and is to this day. But I do think it's somewhat overrated from the standpoint, if you're trying solely to sort of um, work the system. So you're doing unnatural things with your content or online because you feel like you're going to win a search of some sort. And I think, you know, a true SEO purist would advise four things like, you know, unnatural backlinks, um, unnatural texts, keyword stuffing, things like that. And those things are fine, but in a business to business professional services type of setting, I don't know that, you know, the, the contract goes to the first blue link in a Google search. So um, my approach to optimization would be to advocate for what I, I consider optimizing the web. So yes, optimize your site for sure, but you want to be discoverable online in the forums or fora that the people searching for you tend to spend their time. That might be LinkedIn. Um, that might be trade magazines. It might be networking groups or whatever it might be. But if you're creating enough valuable content, which is really what Google is showing a bias for, is just authoritative content, not marketing language, not overtly SEO keyword stuffed content, that I think you're going to optimize the web for the right people to find you at the right time at the point of need. And that's really what you want to do. So I would say traditional and highly technical SEO in our line of work, Jay, is a bit overrated, but certainly do what you can to optimize the ecosystem for, you know, so that you have a, a high enough presence. Yeah, well, that was very good. I, I don't think yeah. I have anything added to that, but I, I do agree with you, though. I, it, it is really about creating a body of work online where you can be found by the people you want to be found by. And, and SEO is part of that, but it's probably been overemphasized and, and over-invested in to some extent uh, in, in the past, and maybe that's changing. So, all right, cool. Um, so let's get to our guest today who we're uh, excited to speak to, um, Winter Wheeler. Uh, she is the founder of Winter Wheeler Mediation and Arbitration. Um, she has her own podcast as well, the Mediate Now podcast, which you should check out. Um, she's also a co-author of a book that our listener, listeners will be familiar with because we've had a few co-authors of the book on, which is hashtag networked. Um, and uh, she, if you are on LinkedIn uh, or anywhere on social media, because I think Winter is very prolific and creates tons of great content, you may know her or have at least seen her content. So um, Winter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, it's great to have you. And uh, I wanted to jump in. Speaking of your your content creation resume, I was uh, interested to see that you just recently did a TEDx talk. Is that right? I did. Yeah. I and did. how did that go? It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, doing it this way um, virtually during COVID was kind of odd, but um 
I still loved the experience. We did it live. Hmm. Um, most of the virtual TEDx um, talks are being pre-recorded. Um, but we actually did ours live, which um, made for some interesting, <laughs> interesting problems. Um, for example, one of the one of the other speakers actually popped up on screen while I was giving my talk. <laughs> talk about throwing you off, right? Um, thankfully, I couldn't see it. The oh, okay. Way that I, I I was using an external camera. Um, my husband was in the room with me, and I am typically nervous and just neurotic <laughs> yeah. about everything so i yeah. didn't want to be able to see it and my mm -hmm. husband saw it and he was just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like no big deal <laughs> yeah right right just carry on yeah no that's good I, I that makes sense to put some blinders on in that scenario i i could see myself wanting to do that as well um well that's great i know uh that's it's always something that has interested in me uh but you know Maybe maybe someday for the bucket list, but that's cool. I'm glad I'm glad you did that, and I, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, but I'm going to definitely do so. Um, yes, please do. Yeah, so so let's dig in. I'm I'm curious to hear a little bit more about um, you having. I think it's interesting. You you began your mediation and arbitration business um, during the pandemic. Is that right? It was right before. So okay. It was November of 2019. Got so, it. Basically. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. Um, and before that, you did uh, you were a commercial litigator, correct? Yes, I was yeah. a litigator for okay. about 14 years. Yeah. And so what led you to kind of go off on your own and go in this somewhat slightly different direction? Well, my entire career actually was shaped to become a mediator. Mm -hmm. I always knew that that was what I wanted to do. And I knew I would not I would not have been happy with life. I know that sounds a little dramatic, but I would not have been happy if I never did it. Um, so I've, I realized in, I guess it was probably 2006, 2007, that I loved mediation. I loved being involved in it. And I was lucky enough to find a mentor um, very, very early on in this process. And he gave me the advice to, you know, build the best career that you can, you know, learn as much as you can, have a varied practice, um, really just kind of dabble in everything. And if you find something that's, you know, extra special to you, then focus on that. But um, when you when you want to have the type of career I wanted to have a full time, like every day booked beyond <laughs> mediator, um, you really need to have a wide um, wide breadth of experience. Yeah, for sure. And Tom, let me ask one more follow-up question and then I'll let you jump in. Um, so Winter, I'm, I'm curious because I, uh, I I hung a shingle at uh, one point in my career when I was still practicing law as well. I was at a couple of larger firms and then I went off on my own. Um, did you find, and, and I imagine the pandemic probably maybe even accelerated this for you if, if it was in fact the case, but did you find that all of a sudden you became much more prolific in terms of like things like marketing and business development when you were off on your own or even before that, were you, were you active in that regard? I was definitely active already. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, I amped it up by, yeah. <laughs> by a thousand. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but, you know, that was another piece of advice that I got very early on. Um, make sure you're involved in your community. Make sure people know you. Um, 
And so I, I am, am, was, all, you know, mm-hmm. it's constant. Um, involved in just so many different activities and clubs, but particularly at the local level. So I have leadership positions in several of our local bars, um, and especially in the Lawyers Club of Atlanta, which is strictly a social club, which is the best way to market when people mm-hmm. are not expecting you to be marketing and don't take it as marketing, right? right. Um, so I was extremely involved, but it was all very high touch, like person to person. I was not really using um, social media at all uh, to do any kind of branding. I, it just, it didn't occur to me to do it when I was so busy with all of the other things and being in person and and making friends and no, trying to know everybody in town. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, so once I got out on my own and, and the pandemic hit, um, that's really when I started to focus on actually marketing with purpose maybe (laughs) that's the best way to put it yeah yeah so i'd love to hear a little bit more about the purpose behind what you do because you are you appear to be a prolific content creator you're active on linkedin i can see that for sure um so much so by the way that i I loved your post i sort of lamented your post kind of commiserating with you you said uh people perceive you as too busy. So they don't invite you for things like Ted talks and podcasts. And so thankfully Jay has no filter nor inhibitions uh, (laughs) invite a very busy person onto our podcast, but yes, I mean, attorneys are very busy. How do they find the time to create share content? And it must going back to the purpose, there must be a reason behind it and you must be reaping some sort of reward from it. So can you just share with us what your strategy is and in, in whatever you're getting out of it? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge question. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can ignore the part about Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, LinkedIn was something that I wasn't using. I had an account. I've had an account probably since like 2006. Never really focused on it. Maybe logged in three times a year just to see what was going on. Um, But I realized that I needed to figure out how to grow a client base because I did not have one. (laughs) The one that I had was very, very small. And um, LinkedIn was suggested to me and I fell in love with it, really. Um, I found so many hardworking, driven, determined people that it it inspired me to want to be more involved and to become part of the conversation and in that process i realized that i i could develop my personal brand more easily and affect more people and actually affect change so these things have kind of evolved as you know as the pandemic has raged on um, definitely out of need, right? When I when I got started, um, it was genuinely out of a sense of desperation. I had no idea what else to do, and I didn't want to see my business just die before I got started. <laughs> really, and I, there was no way I was going back to a law firm. I was like, I escaped. I am not <laughs> returning. Um, and so I had to figure out how to do that, and um, the strategy now has. It's not even really a strategy. I'm trying to connect with people on a very human level and 
when I tell you I eat, sleep, breathe mediation, like it is everything. It is in every aspect of my life. And I think people really feel that with my posts. Um, and so through that, realizing how deeply I was connecting with people, I mean, because my follower count just like exploded. I think I had like 600, 700 um, when the pandemic started. Uh, and so it startled me a bit. And I was like, I must be on to something. And as I realized that people were really listening, I started to want to educate them and share how much I loved it and why and how it can improve everyone's everyday life. Because I genuinely believe that mediation is part of everything. I mean, name a subject and I could tie it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting though. So you say it's not a strategy, but that is the strategy is to be your authentic self, speak to your passions, really try to help others. Uh, Jay and I have been talking a lot this week about being generous of one's ideas and how that not only helps the community that you serve, but then ultimately, you know, comes back in spades. So, and then, but the one thing I wanted to react to is when you said I start, I had an account, I created it in 2006, I think you said, I'm not really on it. And we hear that so much from attorneys to the point where I'll repeat a story I, I said last week on our podcast, which was a friend of mine said, well, why would you be on LinkedIn if you're not looking for a job? So they still have that 2006 mentality where you get on it to, you know, network with people and hopefully someone will hire you. And it's so not that. So for that audience of people who ask that question, what would you do? Why would I be on it? Can you share with them one or two pieces of advice? The first thing that you think about doing when they finally decide to get off the sidelines and into the game, what would you tell them to do first? Figure out who your target audience is. You've got to figure that out first. Otherwise, you're just, you know, throwing paint at the wall. Um, and once you've done that, start to engage. You don't have to post, create your own content, spend hours writing articles and posting them. The algorithm hates that anyway at this point. <laughs> um, but just start talking to people. Figure out who's interested in what you're interested in. What's your area of expertise and how can you how can you serve the community? Who can you teach? Who can you help? Who can you learn from? You know, start to develop your own community there without any real expectation of getting anything. I think that's that's the advice people need to have in order to to stick with it. Because LinkedIn is not something that <laughs> comes easily. Um, your follower count does not grow immediately. You're not going to get a bunch of views right off the bat, right? So you need encouragement to stick with it. And if you can start by building your own community within it and finding inspiration from the people that you talk to, um, you're more likely to stick with it. And wow. then with that comes people wanting to support your posts because now they know you they're invested in your journey too. Yeah, that's exactly right. Bravo. And Jay, I think we found our first thought leadership project ambassador because she just, <laughs> either you've been reading our emails or you just perfectly captured what it is that we've been talking about literally since episode one, which was to figure out who it is, right, Jay, that who it is that yep. you serve. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how else can you, how else can you, uh, you know, create content, connect with people, uh, be helpful to an audience if you don't 
have a clear understanding of who you serve and what their challenges are. So it really is a, a two-way street of conversation and discovery um, between you and your audience that matters. And then, Winter, I'm curious if you can, because uh, there's another myth that, that I hear, and, and, and it's one that basically is, you know, is, as it relates to LinkedIn specifically, is that, you know, I think some lawyers think, well, if I'm going to be on social networks, it's really just about having, you know, these are maybe connections, but they're sort of disconnected and distant in a way, right? But I get the impression, certainly you and that you've developed a powerful community um, around you and, and with others who you collaborate with. And, and those relationships have gone off LinkedIn as well, right? I mean, that those are real world relationships that you've developed Absolutely. that have been beneficial to you and others, correct? Absolutely. Um, LinkedIn became the only way for me to socialize. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I took I just I just jumped in, you know, and I was finding, you know, these posts so interesting and these people were so engaging. And I was like, I don't want to keep typing. Let's let's have a phone call. Let's mm. have a let's have Zoom, you know? Um and so then I would start meeting people and having coffee with them in the morning. And I mean I would say right now, and this this is gonna sound really, really, really pitiful, um, but I would say right now in this moment in my life, the closest friends that I have are people I've met on LinkedIn. I've never seen these people in person. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I love them, I adore them, and I, I root for them, and I think about them all the time, and I, I look for opportunities for them. Um, you know, right before we got on this this call, a friend of mine, Gabrielle Hartley, you need to follow her. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, she called me with an opportunity that I never would even have heard of. So I think that if you, you have to take it offline eventually. Well, I mean, like, don't be creepy, but yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's an entirely different that happens podcast. too, right? Yeah. Oh God. Oh my God. It's it doesn't happen to Tom there. and I, but it's... no, <laughs> somehow we're immune. I don't get it. Yeah. But I hear such things happen. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. No, that's cool. And, uh, and then that ultimately led to um, you and, and others writing a book too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So which is cool. Networked has absolutely changed my life that group of women i i i cannot i can't really put it into words i can't get the just the magnitude of of what these women have done for me is it's almost beyond my own comprehension they have literally changed the trajectory of my life no doubt about that they they opened my eyes to my own potential and i mean i already thought that i was fantastic <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's hard sometimes to see what your own talents are because you are yourself and they were able to show me you know you're really good at this i really like the way you do that maybe you should try this you know and they were able to just bring more of me out of me and it has been beyond amazing and i almost didn't participate in, in writing the book i'm so glad that i did i was probably the last person to sign up um and they probably only wanted me so it would be a nice a nice round number of 20. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but 
But I'm so happy I did. We've been on um, a virtual book tour since the book came out. Um, it was a number one bestseller on Amazon. It's still pretty high up there right now, mm -hmm. too. Um, and it's, an, it's just another part of this is I never really thought of myself as, I mean, like I said, I thought I was cool, right? <laughs> but I never really thought of myself as like inspirational or courageous, brave none of none of that and um it really wasn't until the book came out and people started to contact me about how motivated they were and how happy they were for me after they read my story that i was like oh okay there's more here so for me linkedin has really it's really changed how i view myself my own potential and it's caused me to reevaluate the goals that i have because now i know i can do more than i ever thought possible and the women that i surround myself with they continue to push me and they continue to challenge me and um i mean the sky's the limit at this point <laughs> i don't well, know that if that answered your question <laughs> I think it did. And I mean, you just demonstrate the power of a network, you know, small and no hashtag, but that's the power of a network. It gives you the courage and it gives you the um, confidence and comfort to be your best self, I, I feel like. And hopefully that's what we're trying to create with a, a new project we got going on with the Thought Leader Collaborative. But I wanted to ask Jay to tee up something that he wrote about today that I'd like you to comment on because I sense some humility in you because you know you're awesome, but you it sounds like there was a apprehension to tell people how awesome you are. And maybe that's the difference, Jay, with what you wrote today, which was the difference between personal branding and personal bragging. You want to tee that up? Yeah, yeah. Basically, the idea, you know, I think that some people think of personal branding as a uh, focus on self uh, when it really is a, a focus on others. I mean, what makes what makes me and, and, and Winter, I'm sure, and Tom, when we feel awesome about ourselves, it's I think it's oftentimes, almost always, because we're serving others in some capacity, right? We're helping yeah. them. We're being generous with our ideas. We're, that's what makes you feel good. It's not the bragging part. And, and we see that from observing people who have powerful platforms on LinkedIn and elsewhere. It's not, it's not because they're focused on themselves. It's because they're focused on helping other people. So um, Winter, I guess I, if that teed it up enough, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, you've touched on that a little bit, oh, but sure. is that consistent yeah. with your approach? Yeah, it really is. So, and it took me a long time to to realize that that was what I was doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> haphazardly get to these things, I guess. Um, but my goal, you know, like I said, is to to teach people about mediation. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of my time um, giving presentations and um, doing webinars, things like that. And so there was a point where I felt like maybe I shouldn't post about all of this stuff. It seems kind of obnoxious, but that's really what I'm doing. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. my real life. And I want to provide opportunities for people to, to watch and learn some things. And so if my goal is to educate, then I need to be talking about how I'm doing that, you know, and, um, I think very, very recently, actually, I had um, two really huge pieces of news and I, I hesitated to share both of them at the same time. And I was like, you know, I called up one of my networked ladies 
And she said, the fact is, these two things are happening to you this week. Share that. Mm-hmm. And so I did, but I still put the stupid caveat that mm. like, <laughs> I hope this isn't too much. <laughs> this is too much joy for me for one, for one week. And it's just so ridiculous. Um, but I, I had to, I had to, and I'm saying this like it's past tense. I'm still working, working mm-hmm. through this, obviously. <laughs> but having to just accept that talking about myself and my accomplishments, it helps get me in front of more people, which helps me educate more people. I want everyone to enjoy mediation. <laughs> I want the clerk on the on the corner to know that mediation is an option, right? And so I have had some of the most amazing experiences as a mediator that I that came to me through LinkedIn. Just one example, I had two women who there was no legal dispute happening, right? They just couldn't get along and they wanted to. Hmm. So they called me up. Interesting. <laughs> and I, I spent 10 hours on a Saturday with them, helping them work through their personal issues. And it just, I was exhausted. <laughs> they I can imagine. Me out, but I was so happy and so fulfilled after doing that. And so I know if I didn't share um, how successful I've been, people really wouldn't listen to what I had to say. Yeah. And those yeah. women never would have found me and I wouldn't have been able to help them. And clearly I'm the only mediator on the planet who could have <laughs> <laughs> that job on, yeah. No, that's funny. Well, I would add too, I mean, you know, from my perspective, I would say that uh, what you're doing and what others are doing is also, in a sense, mentorship at a distance for other lawyers. There's so many lawyers who don't know what to do. They don't know how to build a practice. They don't know how to market themselves. Um, they, they are afraid. And seeing people like you um, who are confident, um, even if you, know, you don't always feel confident, you're projecting that confidence, um, seeing you be active and consistent uh, is, is inspiring. So I think that that is another component of it where you and others are demonstrating how to go about this the right way and how to, how to build a practice, um, showcasing, you know, again, your ideas and, and helping others. So I think, I think that's another comp- important component of, of what it means to sort of be out there and be helpful and generous to other people. I love the way you said that. Like, I feel like I should pat myself on the back. There you go. I'm giving. (laughs) Well, and of course, if you truly do have a passion for something, what do you do about it in the year 2021 is you create a podcast around it. So um, you did in 2021, right? Or was it 2020? Yeah. So you launched. Yeah, 2020 launched the, is it uh, Mediate Now podcast? I am so lying. It was 2021. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 has so, so screwed with my sense of time. It was it's been January a blur. of 2021. <laughs> You're not alone. Don't worry. Yeah. So what kind of fun can listeners have on the Mediate Now podcast? So I bring on experts in various fields, and it's typically, it's just people that I've connected with that I think have an amazing message that they're they for whatever reason have not been able to share and i use that as a means of explaining or expressing how mediation principles and concepts can still apply to those situations 
and we talk about real world situations and it often gets very, very personal. And my next episode is, uh, is going to be a very personal one for me. And I, I, I hesitated to, um, to release it, but I've, I've committed to doing that. Um, the underlying reason for the podcast was initially just marketing. That's all. I was like, this is just a great tool to get my message out. Um, it's another way for people to get to know me because people want to work with people that they know. So a great way to have your personality on display is a podcast. They can hear your voice. And um, I also post on YouTube so you can see me. Um, and hopefully people just have a, a deeper connection. But as it's gone on, it's become, again, just more of me wanting to teach people. And it's become much more than a marketing tool. It's, it's kind of cathartic for me also, in a way, when I have these conversations. Um, for example, I had an episode with um, a psychiatrist friend of mine. And it came and it came about because I deal I deal with death yeah. almost on a daily basis. And um, especially during the pandemic, you know, there was much more death occurring around us. And many of my clients were showing up just despondent, not about the issue we were there to, to discuss, but about all of the loss they had experienced in their lives. And I wanted to know more about how to support them. And so the show has now evolved into these are the problems that I see in my life. This is how we can solve them. And other people have to have these problems too. Again, I have no idea if I answered your question. I just get on these tangents. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was good. That, that resonates. I mean, Tom and I, you know, when we started our, our podcast uh, back in 2019, do I have that right, Tom? You, you do have that right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, good. Yeah, because I have that same problem. Um, yeah, you know, I think you get into it and you you discover, I mean, and it really is uh, just become more of a interesting relationship building uh, mechanism more than anything. Absolutely. And and it's always amazing uh, to just hear randomly from people who are like, oh, yeah, we listen to your podcast. You know, you don't know it necessarily, but then they feel like they know you and, you know, you appreciate hearing that feedback. It's just an interesting way, uh, different dynamic from most marketing that is uh, that it really has a, a nice appeal to it. So I can see how you, you might have thought one way about it going in winter and, and experience something very different now that you're, you know, a number of episodes into the into the process. So that's cool. Right. But I, I will add, even though you didn't ask, I yeah. will add, <laughs> Please do. it has been great for business. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Um, clients are finding me that way. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. And then another really great way of marketing yourself um, is to invite certain people onto your show. <laughs> yep. If I would like to have someone's business, I will invite them onto the show, right? I'll interview them. Um, so it's, it's like a combination of like direct targeting and general targeting. Because mm -hmm. now I've got this like lo local celebrity, right? We'll just call them a local celebrity. So people want to hear that. So they're more likely to tune in. So now you know more about me. You, I get the instant, you know, recognition um, and confidence that comes with interviewing this particular person. And I mean, it is just a boost, right? Mm 
So, I mean, I've, I started, um, this business with nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally nothing. And through LinkedIn and the podcast, I, I am, I am doing well. Yeah. Now that's call all. me cause I want more business. Yeah. Course, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> As a follow-up on your post from the other day. Um, I, I, but no. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, that's true. And that's totally our experience. And, and we, we help uh, some of our clients uh, create podcasts. And that's what we always tell them. It's, it's oftentimes, especially when you're just getting started, it's, you know, unless you're otherwise famous, it's, it takes a while to build an audience. And if you're looking at it uh, from a marketing and business development standpoint, a podcast that is, uh, it's often about the guests, uh, because you can have the opportunity where someone might not be all that interested in your, your invitation to lunch, uh, they're going to be much more apt to jump at the opportunity to appear on a podcast. So um, it's a great way to develop those relationships that that could blossom into um, you know new business. So that that is a, definitely a reason to have a podcast for sure. Um, Tom, any last uh, questions for winter? Well, I was just going to say I appreciate a, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us, but also going back to what you said earlier, the courage that it takes to not ask the question, which we get a lot of times. Who would ever listen to a podcast about mediation, right? It takes a lot of courage to, to say it doesn't. I'm not trying to sell this podcast to everyone, but there is an audience just like us, right? Ask my wife if she wants to listen to a podcast about thought leadership marketing for law firms, and she'll probably <laughs> fall asleep before you even got to the word thought. Um, but it doesn't matter, right? So you got to have the courage to go next to your point earlier. Have the courage to narrow your audience, know who you serve, and create the content that's going to serve their needs. So I applaud you. Uh, I'm glad to hear that it's reaping rewards for you and it's great to meet you this way, you know, and I look forward to meeting you on LinkedIn and hopefully beyond that. Um, Listen, I'm, I'm waiting on my second vaccine. I'm ready to get out there. (laughs) I'll add you to my, my tour. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Winter, thanks so much. Uh, Before we let you go, uh, any, we, uh, we mentioned a number of things. Everyone should check you out, connect with you on LinkedIn or follow you check out your podcast, you know, you have, you're all over social media. Where, where would you though kind of direct people if they wanted to learn more about you? LinkedIn is the easiest way to learn mm-hmm. about me. I have um, a couple of websites, winterwheeler.com, uh, shocking, right? <laughs> and <laughs> themediatenow.com. The best way to get a full grasp of my philosophy on mediation and life would be to check out my TED Talk. You can just go to YouTube and Google Winter Wheeler TEDx, um, but the the actual name <laughs> of the talk is Mastering the Art of the Uncomfortable Conversation. Awesome. Cool. Well, we'll make sure to include links to all of that and more in the show notes to today's episode. But um, Winter, it was a real pleasure. I appreciate you Thank coming you. on. And yeah, hopefully Thank maybe we can do it again sometime or maybe in person at some point. That would be nice. So, all right, cool. Well, well, thanks. Uh, thank you, Winter. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com. 